The All 82 is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ethan Strauss might be checking out Game Time. Woo! Ethan, did you know that Warriors ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? No way! Game Time tracks prices in real time for thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12,000, whoa, not 12,000, 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets to see the Warriors and Chase Center. Hello and welcome back to a season opening edition of the Warriors All-82 podcast crossover with Clip City. Jovan Buha is with me um, and this feels a little bit different than April 2019, right? You know, uh, we were there, uh, you were covering from the Clippers side of things, I was covering from the Warriors side of things, it was the 1-8. And it was like, ooh, you know, the Clippers gave him a nice run, that was that was good. And now we're sitting over here, you know, what is it, five, six months later, uh, and the Clippers very early look like maybe the best team in the West. And the Warriors, after getting blasted in their uh, season opener, Chase Center debut night, look like they w- would hope to be maybe the 8th seed. Like, this could be the 1-8 flip this year. Yeah, it, it felt like a role reversal tonight. And, and you know, um, obviously a, a lot of things have changed between these two teams over the last six months. But, um, you know, the, the Clippers added Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, the Warriors lost KD and and Clay, or, well, Clay is out for this season potentially. Clay is doing TNT halftime <laughs> shows. He's like, I, I like this little getup with the, the the suit and the open collar. Like I, I thought, that's uh, I have heard that's his, his girlfriend uh, who he's gone public, which for the first time ever with Laura Harrier, she's yeah. the uh, actress, has really kind of revamped the wardrobe. He's even admitted it to people. Yeah, he he, he had more swag than I'm used to him <laughs> for having, sure, but. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was just like from the opening tip, you know, the, the Warriors never led. The, the Clippers got the lead up to 31 by the end of the third. And, um, like, I, I thought there was just no doubt for, for really from the, the, the jump. Like, the, the Clippers. Uh, yeah, they controlled it. They, they, controlled. they controlled the game. And, and I, I think Kawhi Leonard really has continued to assert himself as the best, you know, arguably the best player in the league right now. Um, the the yeah, and to me, the, the biggest thing that I kind of took away, you know, from the Warriors side was just like it looked like they had never seen a pick and roll before. Like the, the Clippers did, not only like Lou and Trez, who obviously like you know it's always on the scouting report what they're going to do, but you can't stop it. But Avica Zubats and Kawhi Leonard were doing their thing and looked like Lou, Lou and Trez out there. And uh, you know, really the the epitome of the role reversal for me was Avica Zubats. This was a guy who in April couldn't stay on the court against the Warriors. You know, by game four, he lost his starting job. By game five, he was completely out of the rotation. And tonight, he had 16 and 10 and two blocks and was dominating them. You know, outplayed Kevon Looney, outplayed Draymond Green. So, outplayed Marquise Chris. <laughs> that, that to me was kind of like if you were looking for the difference in this matchup in, in like a nutshell, Zubats's performance from April till now, like, really kind of showed that. Yeah. Um, yeah, many of these Warriors defenders have never seen an NBA pick and roll before. <laughs> that is one of the main issues. J- Jacob uh, Evans, you know, I, you know, I guess it was the bright spot, but you know, Jordan Poole uh, is going to just be a, a pretty big negative defensively this year. 
uh, Chris, who had this kind of like uh, inspiring preseason that that earned him a roster spot, looked like the Marquise Chris I remember uh, from the Phoenix Suns days. Tonight he was kind of lost, biting pump fakes, kind of crashing into people. I mean, Lou Williams just saw six fouls. Like where he comes in, oh, that's just immediate foul. Um, and you know, really from the Warrior side of things, like. Neither of us, I think, were surprised at all by the result. I could not believe Vegas's line only had the Clippers favored by one. But this was a disastrous night for the Warriors, not only because the spectacle that they were supposed to open the arena and at least keep it competitive, but also Draymond Green in the first two minutes is, like, leaving with, like, a limp arm. He comes back, but, it, you know, it's taped up. And uh, Kavon Looney, who tweaked his hamstring twice in camp and, and missed the entire preseason uh, – they said he had healed up, and then suddenly he doesn't come out for the second half. Uh, and in the locker rooms, doesn't know if he's going to miss time or not. They said it wasn't a re-aggravation, just tightness. But this is a very top-heavy roster, probably the most top-heavy roster in the league, uh, where your your one-two players take a deep drop off to three-four, and then once you get beyond four, it is like a, a, a cliff down to five, six, seven, eight, nine. And two of their four most important players are banged up on night one. Uh, and to me, that's kind of a spooky sign for what might be to come. And like, again, I don't want to talk playoffs at all in night one, but uh, is as a, as a somewhat outsider from the Warriors, was it worse than you thought? I mean, you knew the roster. You followed yeah, the league very uh, well. But, but, but did that look worse than you expected? The, the, yeah, the defense, as Draymond pointed out post-game, was just abysmal, like – um, again, like I, I was just kind of shocked by it, right? Like it, it, it seemed like the Clippers, like the really the the Warriors stayed in the game because the Clippers had, you know, seventeen turnovers and they allowed fifteen offensive rebounds, and it, it felt like every time the Warriors got an offensive rebound, that they, they scored or got fouled or something. But if they didn't do that, like this could have easily been a forty point loss, and it just really felt like every time the Warriors scored, the Clippers came back, you know, got a layup got a foul kicked out for a three they had 18 threes tonight 33 assists like it, it just it didn't look like they were playing defense or, or knew how to play defense and that to me was kind of the thing where I was like you know you see the offensive talent like you know Steph only played 29 minutes so you know if he, if he plays I don't know 34 35 I mean, what, like what's his plus minus though m- minus you 19 know? yeah I mean uh, you know and, and that was the thing too like the, the starters like Draymond was minus 35 in 28 minutes uh, D'Angelo minus 35 in 33 minutes. Like the, the, the starting lineup was was pretty bad tonight. Um, but yeah, like from my perspective, I thought this was going to be a, a bit of a closer game. You called it. You know, coming out of halftime, you were like, they're going to blow this game open and, and to start the third, and they really did. And uh, you know, I, it kind of the offensive stuff. Like I, I get, it's a lot of new pieces. It's a, like you said, it's a lot of guys who don't have experience or at least kind of experience together, but. The defense was like it looked like you just threw five guys out in the court together who had never played together, and that was really jarring to me. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I actually expected, you know, I expected the defense to look that bad. Everyone kind of did. Uh, you know, the talk around the Warriors is basically like, can they not have a bottom ten defense? And the fact that not only does Draymond walk off for the basically the entire first quarter, but he comes back banged up and pretty unmotivated. Uh, it seems like Draymond's kind of got. Either I have a concern that Draymond is going to kind of check out potentially if this really goes bad this season, but until then, until it just like seems like you know it's a lost cause, he really kind of needs to rev himself back up. And I understand him saying, "Look, I don't take anything from the preseason because I don't try in the preseason." That makes sense, but he didn't seem like he was trying that hard night one. Uh, and if he doesn't 
I mean, er, the rest of the team's going to take their defensive cues from him. Um, but you flip it over to the offensive side. The Clippers might be the best defensive team uh, in the league, and Doc Rivers is like an aggressive game planner, and you know he really kind of pressured Curry through bodies. Uh, and I think you saw the other Warriors' weakness tonight is just like the lack of help and space around Steph, and how teams will mimic a little bit what Toronto did in the finals, and uh, if they can only allow Steph to take 20 shots as he did tonight and turn him over when he gets sloppy. He turned it over eight times tonight. Uh, the, the Warriors aren't going to be able to score the necessary points considering how many points they're going to be giving up. Yeah, and I thought Landry Shamit picked up where he left off in the playoffs and, and did a really nice job on Steph. Obviously, you're never going to stop Steph completely, but uh, Landry did a really good job just you know hanging with him through screens and, and just really kind of enveloping his space and and just kind of being all over him um but yeah i mean it's weird because i I thought there was some some moments that you could probably take away as like positive like d'angelo had that 10-0 run um when when you know things were really going bad off first 10 points yeah first 10 points and i mean it looked really bad to start the game for them but uh, you know, D'Angelo had the 10 points. I, I thought Jacob Evans, you know, he, he hit a few yeah. threes. He, he looked solid, would, like, at, at times. If, if we're just kind of che- going down the checklist for the Warriors uh, of positives, Jacob Evans, as you mentioned, he made four threes tonight. Did not, he made four threes combined his entire rookie year. Had, like, a completely empty rookie season. Uh, and really widely viewed as, as kind of a mistake at pick 28 uh, that wasn't expected to really contribute much. And, and it is one game, but, like, the those were 22 really encouraging minutes that you go, you know, he's kind of in the Livingston role um, and he played it well tonight. He defended, you know, as, as good as any other option uh, they had back there. Eric Pascal, yeah. they, they got him 41st overall and he played 31 minutes tonight. He looks like a closer already, which says something about how thin they are, but also says that, you know, they seem to have hit on that pick at least. Uh, he, he's positionally versatile. He's playing some backup three, shifting to the power forward. So he's a positive. Uh, Jordan Poole's confidence, uh, you know, I guess is a positive. He shot, took seven shots in his first six minutes, but he finished two of 13. Uh, so there are small things, uh, but wider scope, I just think it was a bit of a jarring sight for people to see, oh, the Warriors are suddenly a middle-of-the-road team and they're just kind of kind of get smacked. By really good teams. Yeah, and how about Kawhi Leonard ruining the end of Oracle Arena and then ruining the opening of Chase Center? Well, what's What's funny about him though is like the I don't think Warriors fans even really have ill will towards him because yeah. he's like such like a kind of a non personality, you <laughs> yeah. know? Like like LeBron is like the, like a hated rival yeah. that they've had. Even Kyrie because he had like that the three point shot in 2016, or you know Westbrook comes in and Westbrook. They've, like, destroyed Westbrook's dreams regularly, but they hate Westbrook so much more than Kawhi because Westbrook snarls at them and yells and and snipes at Steph in the media. Meanwhile, Kawhi just, like, robotically comes in here, ruins dreams, really obviously ruined the, you know, the finals last year. And, you know, I'm not sure if you talk to many of these fans, they would have much of an opinion except, hey, that guy's really good at basketball. Yeah, but I I thought what was telling for the Clippers was, you know, he he didn't play the last 18 minutes of this game, and it never really got closer than, I I think, like 16 or 17 points. And uh, I think what, you know, you've really seen from the Clippers' side has just been the depth of the team the last couple games, the fact that they haven't needed Kawhi to be superhuman to be, you know, a really good Lakers team. And 
a Warriors team that even if they were undermanned and you know obviously they have their flaws uh, at least to start the season like this was the opening of the Chase Center this was some, you know their home opener uh, you had the, the intros with uh, you know the, the the cool little uh, board behind them and then the Doing fire a too and much. the Doing a little too much. yeah and like the, the the you know intro on the screen and Carlos Santana playing the national anthem and it was just like this was the perfect you know, for the Clippers to get punched in the mouth early and then lose this game and, and the Warriors kind of come out and show, like, hey, you know, don't count us out yet. Like, we're, we're still the Warriors. Uh, but that wasn't the case. And I think another thing for the Clippers, which some guys kind of admitted post game, some guys kind of danced around it, like, there was some ill will from their end about the playoffs. Like, you know, this was the team that knocked them out. You know, they kind of sensed, like, some blood early on and it was like, hey, if we can go for the kill early, we're going to go for it. And... I felt like you kind of saw that where, you know, Doc Rivers didn't take his guy, you know, he was, they were up for, you know, 20 plus points, basically the entire second half. Doc didn't take his guys out to like three minutes remaining. And I think that was a deliberate thing of like, they kind of wanted, you know, this was a little extra for them. This wasn't just an average road win. This was a little bit of revenge for the playoffs. And, you know, it might not mean much in the grand scope of things. You know, we'll see what happens with the Warriors moving forward. But, you know, for I the mean, Clippers, it, they want to win this matchup. It, it's pretty forceful to come into the season on TNT as you know the 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 nightcap both nights against your two state rivals that you know you may be more talented than but they are much bigger brands and you smack the Lakers pretty convincingly and then smack the Warriors pretty convincingly you know with the setup of the whole Chase Center thing so uh, I mean they are the week one statement And, and we're talking about a Western Conference that feels very wide open they have made the early footing of like no we are the favorite and look that can change injuries can change we haven't even seen him with paul george yet which That's is the thing i know i know it's the, wild i was because i was a little bit like you know th- this was a team that you know, last season they won 48 games but they had the point differential of a 43 win team so it was a little bit you know they were the best team in crunch time during the regular season it was a little bit like they got a little lucky won a few games lou hit some big shots and it was like there probably weren't really a 48 win team so adding just Kawhi to that like you know you'd think it'd be a jump but what is that a jump to like 51 52 53 wins like uh you know even a guy at his level might not be worth more than like five to seven wins uh so I was kind of expecting like that level of play but you know even without Paul George they look like they could be a 61 team potentially um you know if they played it without him you know throughout the whole season so uh I, I totally agree with you. Like it, it's been kind of shocking to see how good they've been from the jump, especially for how bad they played in the preseason. I know you guys probably didn't see it, but they went two and three, didn't beat an NBA team, uh, posted a worst offensive rating with Kawhi than without him, and just looked pretty terrible on, on you know offensively. And for them to come out with these two wins, like um, it, it's been a bit shocking. But I think, like you said, like they're kind of grasping that West Mantle right now of you know they're the team to beat. Ethan Strauss is sat down next to us. Um, numero uno takeaway from you in Chase Center's dud of an opening night. Uh, the crowd was not as loud as Jovan's pants uh, is the number one. Number one. Describe takeaway. them for the listeners. Uh, they look like what a professional golfer would wear in the 1930s uh, is, is what I would describe them as. But beyond that, I don't really have the lexicon to even describe garments i'm not a fashionable checkered guy. Yeah. gray i'm dressed like a substitute teacher right now for anybody who can't see me so i uh, i agree with all statements <laughs> there you go so that was one takeaway the other takeaway was we knew the warriors defense uh would be maybe not great you wrote an article on that and you talked with uh steve kerr um 
it was still surprising to hear, even after watching it and how bad it was, uh, and I'm sure you guys have discussed this, but that, that post-game comment was a little bit a little bit incredible to me. Which of the the three, and, and we can add Draymond's post-game comments as well, but uh, I assume you're talking about Steve. You're talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about basically there will be more nights like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know, uh, you were probably over at Doc Rivers, but Steve Kerr basically came out and been like, yeah, you know, this is our new reality, and, uh, you know, enjoy the amenities of Chase Center yeah. because you may not be enjoying the product that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, Enjoy the Modelo, what, what is it called, the Modelo uh, room? The, above lounge? us, the Modelo yeah. Cantina. Yeah, 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 yeah. To have a good time, you might need a few more Modellos, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Yeah, that was surprising that he just said that, but he's not wrong. I mean, that's the thing. He's also in extreme expectations management mode right now. With the clay thing, he's talking about, well, he might not come back all year. The defensive thing that you're talking about where he basically is like, our defense sucks. Okay, I have a take. I have a take. Shocker. Shocker. Here's the take. Um... Everybody is saying that he's in expectations management mode. I've even heard people within the organization telling me that. that we get it. You want to keep expectations low because you're the coach and, you know, coaches get blamed. What if he's just honestly reacting to what he sees on the roster? What if this is just a, a guy looking at the situation, having an understanding of what worked before and the talent they had before, looking around and going, yeah, we have a bunch of uh, kids, a bunch of kids playing. And, yeah, there's Steph Curry, and he's amazing, and we've got Draymond. But, you know, Draymond might not have necessarily the pop that he had in 2015, and he might already be injured off the bat. Um, And then the surrounding roster around that, I think, I mean, do you think Curry thinks this roster is good? Not 50 win good. You know, it depends on how we define good. Uh, do you do you think? I mean, you, Steph do, Curry. Do you think he thinks it's forty-five win good? I think he should believe Steph Curry plus a growing core plus his coaching. If he believes he can coach a team up, Greg Popovich style, his mentor, he should believe they can compile enough wins against average teams, the bad teams. They play maybe the best team in the West tonight. That he that should oh, compile I, its I way think, to forty-five. I, I think. They played the best team in the league. And just, I mean, I wrote this just as there are going to be more nights like this. Of course, not every night is going to be like this. Um, but just the reaction to a lot of guys out there not even knowing where to be or where to go defensively, um, it was pretty bad. And I think, look, everybody is waking up to the same thing. Um, you saw it. You saw it. You know, Charles Barkley adjusting his prediction just at halftime. halftime. Did because, you see that? Because this is what it is. And, you know, I think we tried to warn people a little bit, Anthony. I think we did. But people but, but still... people don't read preseason coverage. <laughs> they don't. But, but the thing is, the, people still think of them as the, it's the Warriors. It's, you know, the Warriors. I know the Warriors. And, you know, when it's the Warriors, they're wearing the blue and the gold. And you've got Steph's face on the marquee. You know, it's the Warriors. And I know that, you know, they, they lost. It's a little different. But it's the war. And then you... You, you show up and you look, and then when you actually see the guys on the floor, and you you haven't heard of them in many instances, if you're probably Charles Barkley, a lot of people watching, 
today is the day the adjustment comes and people go, oh, okay, wait a second, never mind, this isn't this isn't the Warriors. What about Vegas needs to adjust? Jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, can we talk about that? Opening up, Clippers opening up at plus two, eventually some sanity seeping in, settling down at minus one for you non-gambling aficionados that was a... Uh, Basically, the Clippers, um, if you bet on the Clippers to win, uh, you know, as long as they win by more than a point, you're going to walk away with some money. Uh, that was a crazy line, Anthony. And, you know, I can say that I'm not just doing hindsight because I tweeted out the pick earlier. Uh, but I wasn't, I mean, I'm no Nostradamus. Everybody was looking at that going, this is crazy. There was Warriors employees like, whoa, really? That's the line? <laughs> uh, what do you think of Chase Center, Yovan? You are, this is your first time visiting. Um, probably nice where it's located for you if you stayed in SF. But what do you think of the new digs? It's nice. It, it's really nice. Um, it, it does have a little bit of an Oracle vibe, at least like structurally. Like it is still a bit of a compact arena. I mean, it looks like the roof is is bigger, but overall, you know, they got the slanting seats. Um, they still got that the tight space uh, around the court, which I feel like is feels like oracle um but the crowd tonight I, I was a little surprised like they were great in the pregame intros and and you know all the the hoopla of um kind of the beginning of the game but once it was kind of clear that the clippers were going to win this game probably sometime in the first quarter uh, uh the, the, the crowd was <laughs> are you talking about warm-ups <laughs> Sometimes I mean, the crowd, the yeah, layup, the, layup line, like what, what, what like people what? were leaving, and I tweeted out like people started leaving, you know, once it got to thirty-one with like four minutes left in the third, like I saw a bunch of fans leave, and I was just like, I've never seen that before at Oracle. They just have, they have almost just no wing defense. Although you know, GR three put up a fight. You know, Kawhi was uh, running things uh, with his with his passing. Glenn Robinson had a fine night. Yeah, like you're, that's if you're, like, again, yeah. if you're going down the box score checking yeah. like that's positives, negatives, I think he was a slight positive. I think he put up a decent fight against Kawhi. I do. I think he put up a decent fight. Maybe that is a takeaway if you're if you're a Warriors fan. You, you know what? I, I didn't talk about with him, and now that you're here, we should. D'Angelo Russell's debut, he did score the first 10, as you mentioned earlier, but then he misses seven straight shots, uh, finishes only with 20 points, 6 of 16, and the defense, which was a major issue in the preseason, he had a 118.8 defensive rating in the preseason. He was, I believe, a minus like 47 in his preseason minutes. He finished it tonight. I assume the defensive rating isn't good. I haven't looked, but minus 35. Um, if he's not an efficient scorer and if he's going to kind of haphazardly defend out there, like he's just a negative player for them. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, it, it, they're, well, they're not paying him that much, so that's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you you, you, you laid out the hypothetical. If, if that's a hypothetical, that's a horrific hypothetical. 27 mil this year. <laughs> that's a terrible hypothetical that ruins the Warriors' uh, future plans and everything else. So, I mean, it's it's game one, and you're not supposed to overreact, but I think we sometimes underreact. I do. I, I remember with the this is going to be fun Lakers that with every loss um, early on, people were going, don't overreact. And it was almost this weird faux savvy where people want to show uh, how they're not prisoners of the moment. But look, 
This isn't a good opener. This is pretty bad. It's pretty bad when Kerr says, get used to this. This is happening. It's pretty bad where you've already got these health issues. Uh, it's pretty bad when you give this guy over $100 million um, and, yeah, he doesn't look like very cool. he's very efficient. It's not a good opener. It doesn't mean that their season is assuredly doomed, but the optics of Kerr not having a lot of faith in this particular roster uh, combined with this opener, yeah, it's not good. Well, I, I think to Ethan's point, like, I went back and watched the Clippers-Lakers game, and one thing that really was – that kind of stood out to me it was a bit jarring was the Clippers were switching their bigs onto LeBron and he was not beating Montrez Harrell or Avita Zubats or Jermichael Green to the paint and in terms of you know not trying to overreact or, or underreact like that's kind of like a concern if LeBron James can't beat a center off the dribble and and on the Warriors side of things like you know, yes, the Clippers have a lot of defensive talent. Yes, their defense is going to be really good. But the two primary defenders on the Steph Draymond pick and roll were Patrick Patterson and Landry Shamit. And the fact that they couldn't really tear those two up, like, that, I mean, it just didn't look the same as, as we've seen it. And even though, obviously, I mean, it's not the same pieces around them, but just those two, like, their two-man game has historically been really good. The Warriors have been really good when it's just been them two, even if Clay and KD and, and whoever else is off the bench and or on the bench, I mean. And just to kind of see that, it was like, this doesn't look the same. Like, No. No, it doesn't. Should we be giving, uh, should we be, uh, giving Steve some heat? This is what I'm trying to figure out. Should we be... It's ripping. too early to be like ripping coaches after 0 and 1. Yeah, I mean, they might be 2 and 1 by Monday. No, no, but I'm not talking about the performance. I'm His attitude? About, I'm talking about the attitude. Yeah, I think that's that's what I'm talking about. I personally, I know, I kind of like candor and honesty, and everybody can see it. And so I understand the argument of you are supposed to coach up this team and you are supposed to inspire them. So I get it. But I, I, I just can't. I don't think it's that huge an issue. I think it's more indicative of issues. What do you think about it? I'm still in just a wait-and-see mode overall. Um, he's typically good after losses, and I've loved him after losses the last few years where like he will rip players if needed or like rip a team's performance at times. Um, but it's always felt you know, more authentic because you – I mean, he he wasn't trying to like dumb. He everyone already knew the expectation was title or bust at the end of the line. Yeah. Whereas this year, it does feel like maybe he's trying to like kind of manage the narrative a bit more, and and maybe it's more of a roster construction fault than a you know coaching acumen fault. You know, I think, but it's so early. Like it's they're all in one. I think there's an argument to what you're saying to what you're saying because the get used to this does seem like an expectation managey thing to say it's not just an assessment of we're here we need to do this better we need to do that better he's speaking directly to the fans and he is saying adjust your expectations uh they're going to be lower than what they might be so i think there's something to say to what to what you're saying i still think it's i think it's more of an honest reaction what is what does yovan think Do do you think that that's an unproductive thing for Kerr to be doing, something he should stop doing, or do you think that's just, that's fine? I guess it's fine. Um, like, I, I'm kind of with you, and it, it's an odd statement. I don't think Doc would ever say something like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, Doc, he, he's hard to read on his own. But, yeah, I mean, 
it, it's maybe it's a little counterproductive, but at the same time, like you said, maybe it's just an honest assessment of the situation because with, with the way they play defense tonight, like again, like it, it's not like I didn't think the Clippers were doing anything that crazy. It was a lot of pick and rolls um, with, with, with Kawhi and Zubats, Lou and Trez, and either the ball handler or the roller was getting open basically every single time. I, I got I don't even know how many points in the paint they had. Um, 58. 58. The, twice yeah. in the preseason, the Lakers had over 60 points in the paint. And, and that, that calmed down. Like, if, if yeah. the game had been a little bit closer, that probably would have gotten to, like, 70 points. So, I, Man, I felt like I was watching some where the pick and roll, the, the Clippers were almost walking it in at a certain point. It was – I mean, maybe that was my imagination. They don't have That's a rim quiet. protector, too. That's the other thing. Like, this Warriors team led the NBA in block shots, I believe, three straight years. I mean, that's because they had – length everywhere. Iguodala would get a few. Durant was a really high shot blocker. You know, all the veterans. Now it's like, this is no rim protection. Well, Ethan, I'm curious for your thoughts on this. I said one of the things that really epitomized to me like the role reversal and just kind of the difference between the two franchises now versus April when they played each other in the playoffs was in April, Avica Zubats couldn't stay on the floor. Like, he got benched and just was out of the rotation by game five. Tonight he had 16-10 in two blocks and looked like, you know, a borderline, like, all-star out there just dominating the Warriors inside. It was like, that to me was, like, the the one thing where I'm like, that just can't happen. Um, The Warriors are small. Uh, They're not athletic. And outside of Steph... They don't have good shooting. Yeah, D'Angelo can shoot it. Oh yeah, so, well yeah, he's a good shooter. But I'm saying, I'm not saying that everybody on there is a bad. But I'm saying they're not, they're not a team you would look at and you would say this is a team with killer shooting. Now you hope that Poole, you know, becomes somebody who's very reliable. He can obviously shoot it. Um, but yeah, that's again, I I know that. Look, I know that uh, I might be a hater, pessimist, whatever you want to call it. But I think that. I, I just try to adjust. You know, in 2015, I saw a team I thought would win a championship and hadn't before, or in 2014, and so made the call there. And in this case, I just see a team that won't make the playoffs. Absolute prognosticator well, right no, there. I, I, I'm wrong on a bunch of other things. I'm just saying that I'm not – like, I'm into making the call. I don't believe in just going by the tradition or going by the cash uh, in. I, I think the um, meat of the West is being overrated. That's why I still think the Warriors might slip in. I, You know, you're already seeing it with, like, the Kings getting blasted in Phoenix. Portland, who I didn't think had a great offseason. I don't like the Hassan Whiteside move. I kind of think their core is stale. That's a good point. They lost – Dallas frisky though. Dallas, Dallas like is frisky. Um, who there was a there was a thunder f- thunder. They probably want to shut it down and blow it up, but they they might have a playoff team if they don't. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I just I I think I don't think forty eight is necessarily going to be the eight seed this year. I think maybe you know a couple years ago Portland gets in the eight seed at forty one and forty one. Houston, I think the year before that got in at forty one and forty one. Like. I, I think playoffs is still very reasonable to think. I would guess today I still think the Warriors will get in. But, again, they're just – the drop-off is, is stunning to see. Um, where are Clippers next? They are in Phoenix on Saturday. 3-0. And I then, don't know. And yeah. then Charlotte on Monday. Wow, 4-0. And then they play Utah Wednesday at Utah. So that's four yeah, one, U- Utah, San Antonio back to – at Utah, home San Antonio. So – We'll see. I think they probably go 4-0 and then lose in Utah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Warriors go on the road back-to-back Sunday, Monday at Oklahoma City at New Orleans. 
another, hey, we're talking about this meat of the West. New Orleans loses in Toronto and doesn't have Zion for at least six weeks. Like, that's another team where people are thinking maybe they jump into the playoffs. Meh. That was a close game, though, like once overtime. It was. I'm just like, I, you know. I, mean, I think I, that could be a tough back-to-back for the Warriors, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it, to, to me, I'm going to read more off them playing teams that we think are at their level, which is yeah. more the New Orleans and OKC than what we saw tonight. I, I like how you pronounce uh, <laughs> I like how you pronounce New Orleans. <laughs> it's very fancy. <laughs> I Look, they're a team, I, to what you're saying, I think a lot of these West teams, people don't even know what to make of them, which is why. This is always a fun time for gambling. Uh, shout out gambling because nobody knows. Vegas is trying to figure it out. Nobody shout knows. out gambling. Nobody's ever heard of this gambling thing. Shout out to it. <laughs> hey, it's not, it's not like the uh, hey, one hey, of the hey, biggest wait money a drivers. Wait, wait, wait a second. I said shout out. I didn't say in case you've never heard of it before. But then you said I don't remember exactly how you termed. Anyways, all right, we've gone thirty minutes. This is supposed to be a twenty-minute pod. Uh, Chase Center debut night, uh, not Joe Lacob's dream night. What do you think Joe Lacob was like dreaming of when he thought of like this night? Like, uh, who were they smashing? D'Angelo Russell dropping forty. Uh, you know, Steve Kerr thumping his chest and saying, "The window's open, baby." In the press conference, I think. I think in his mind, Kevin Durant was a part of oh, this opening. Night. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was the one who wouldn't give up the dream. He wouldn't let the dream die. Everybody else in the organization, I mean, Meyer says that he still believed, I suppose, but everybody else in the organization knew knew KD was gone, and Joe was still thinking that they could get him. Um, he badly wanted he Kevin wants did a, Kevin once did a tour of this place, and it was like, it was probably maybe what, a year, year and a half ago, and uh, he will not see the finished product uh, for I mean, at least a season. Yeah, for at least a season. No, Joe... Badly wanted Kevin Durant to be a part of this. Who were they beating in Joe's uh, dream world? Like when he would go to sleep and dream of well, this night. At that point, when they were on top the of the world, maybe? it didn't even it didn't even matter. You know, um, yeah, the Lakers were always an organization that this franchise looked at as a team they wanted to beat, where all their fans would come into Oracle, and uh, there'd be more of them maybe than the Warriors fans in some nights. So I think maybe the Lakers, but. Now it's it's uh, now it's the Clippers. The Clippers are the best team in basketball. I'm not even sure it's close. Wow, that's it. I'm not ready to go there. I don't know about you. Philly looks really good. I mean, I mean look at look at them. Just Who's the best team in basketball? The Clippers. Yeah, I think. Okay. I mean, I I just did. We did the best case, worst case, realistic yeah. case. In the best and most realistic case, I picked them to win the title. Yeah. Uh, worst case, I had them losing in the second round and the Lakers like, winning it all, but. In- I, I don't see how they don't at least make yeah. the second round. If, if they have no injuries, if they're healthy, I just don't I don't see it. I mean, they have ridiculous depth and just such a wing advantage on every team. Um, I mean, look what they're doing. Look how they look, and they don't even have Paul George yet. Um, and then they get teams in that, in that pick and roll uh, with their subs. I mean, that's just unlike anything other teams have. I mean, they're just... I mean, the only chance you might have is Lou Williams in closing lineups attacking him in a playoff situation. I mean, I'm struggling to come up with something, but they're they're just better. Wait, yeah, I mean. Yeah, all right. Well, night one. <laughs> night night uh, three for you in the NBA season. But uh, I will talk to you from Oklahoma City. I don't know uh, when you're, when's your next podcast. Uh, probably next Tuesday. I'll be back in L.A. All right, sounds good. Talk to you down the line.